Hello, Valley family. Welcome to week number three uh, of our series that, that we're, we're looking at these seven powerful statements that Jesus made uh, that really describe who he is. And uh, week number one, Pastor Stephen did a great job kicking us off. As, as we looked at the statement, Jesus made, I am the light of the world. And what that means and how we're supposed to also be that light, the same light that Jesus had, that the world needs to see it shining through you and through me as well. And then last week, Pastor Randy uh, opened up and, and unpacked Jesus' statement, I am the bread of life, and how important that is that he, we feed on the bread of who Jesus actually is. And so these statements are all isolated, but they're all in the Gospel of John, but they're also connected, and especially the one we're going to look at today. And so I encourage you just to open up your Valley Christian Church website on, on your device that you have there and follow along in the notes, uh, because this one is, is also very connected, not only with the previous two weeks, but also next week's especially. Like, we got to nail this one to understand really what he's talking about next week because all of these are interrelated because it's the essence of who Jesus actually is. And so we want to go to John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, because this is one thought, these statements, one of them you've probably heard a lot. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses, but it's, it's really connected to and joined with this I am statement that Jesus makes. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 9, says, I am the door. Now, I thought about actually maybe having a big, huge door here up on stage uh, because Jesus is saying, I am the door, as like an illustration. Uh, however, as I got to thinking about it, every one of us knows what doors are, knows what doors are like. And I think this is, again, just a great example of the genius of Jesus because he says, I am the door. And even 2,000 years later, we understand what that is. In fact, chances are you've walked through a door recently just to, to watch this. Maybe it was out of your bedroom, into the living room, or, or, or maybe in your car. You had to open a door and close a door to get in your car to watch this uh, on our online campus. Wherever you are, chances are recently you've walked through a doorway and to get to where you are right now, right here at this moment. Uh, even in our auditorium, we have doors. Sometimes they're propped open, sometimes they're closed. And Jesus is saying, I am the door. And then he makes this statement, continuing, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Or have it abundantly. Some translations say more abundantly. And so Jesus, what is he saying here? I'm the door, and what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with you? Well, here's kind of the big idea today, and then we'll unpack. I'll just spend the, the message time unpacking Jesus' words in these two verses, John 10, 9 through 10. But, but here's the big statement, the big thought. Jesus is God's door that is open for now. For now. There will be a time when Jesus, God's door, is going to be closed and no one is going to go in and no one's going to come out again. But right now the door is open. Think about it. You never put a door in a place. The whole purpose of a door is that sometimes it's open, sometimes it's closed. If, if you don't want anyone going in and out, you put up a wall. If you want everyone going in and out, you take down a wall. But if you want, sometimes people are going to go in, sometimes they're going to come out, sometimes we don't want anyone to go in or out, 
you build a door. And Jesus is saying, with this understanding, if you will, this architectural or building understanding, Jesus says about himself, I am the door. Now, this wasn't a a, a new thought. In fact, earlier on in this chapter in John, Jesus makes this statement about a door. John 10, verse 1, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So so he makes the point, and, and next week as we talk about The next I am statement, we're going to see a little more clarity, uh, even gain more clarity uh, about this whole idea of the door. But for today, for the sake of time today, Jesus saying, there's some people that are going to try to get in, but they're not going to come through me. And that type of person is a thief, is a robber, is a phony, is a fraud. There's only one way, there's only one door that God has. And that's Jesus Christ. And he says, I am the door. And so Jesus is God's door that is open for now. But it's not always going to be that way. And so there's a sense of urgency that Jesus is trying to communicate to his followers 2,000 years ago. And even a sense of urgency for you you and me today. He's the door. That there's treasure on the other side of the door. That there's opportunity, there's incredible blessing on the other side of the door. Jesus is the door, and we need to have the courage to walk through the door. To to make the most of the time we've been given. The opportunity that Jesus, because he's the door that's open for now. But the Bible makes it really clear, and Jesus makes it really clear, one day that door is going to shut. And once it shuts, nobody's going in. And nobody's coming out either in eternity. And so Scripture speaks a lot about doors in terms of opportunity. And Jesus is saying, here's an opportunity. I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. But the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This idea of a door being opportunity, we find this other places throughout Scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now, uh, Paul is speaking here to the church of Corinth, and he says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. What is a door? It's an opportunity. It's an offer. It's a, it's a chance to take action if I walk through the door. But, but I don't get any of the benefits on the other side of the door if I stay on this side of the door. I have to walk through it, and it takes some courage. And I think oftentimes in life, in our spiritual journey, God opens doors of opportunities that the reality is too many times we want to play it safe. And somewhere, at some point, back there in history, We determine safety is the most important thing in life. Just be safe, 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 safe. Play it safe, be comfortable, don't ever take a step. But time and time again, throughout Scripture, we find there's a door of opportunity, but if you don't walk through it, if I don't walk through it, we never realize the fullness of all that God had for you and all that God has for me. Nowhere does it say play it safe. 
Safety is the greatest virtue. In fact, it's not a virtue at all. But, but so many times our, our fears, we candy coat them in terms of, I just, I just want to be safe. But it's our fear that's keeping us from walking through the door of opportunity that God presents, just like he did here for the Apostle Paul. The Lord has opened a door for me. But he wasn't going to push Paul through it. He wasn't going to force Paul through that door of opportunity. Paul had to take the step. In fact, in, in, in Revelation, last book of the Bible, as Jesus is speaking, uh, the apostle uh, John uh, was given this great vision of Jesus. The book of Revelation is all about Jesus. Don't ever miss that if someone's teaching it. And, and there, it's the revelation of Satan or the end timer. That's not the book is about the revelation of Jesus. It says that about himself. If you miss Jesus, you miss the whole meaning of the book. The entire meaning of the book is Jesus. It's a vision of the Son of God is what it says. And in Revelation chapter 3, it, it, as Jesus is speaking to one of the churches, the seven churches of Revelation, we've done a whole series of, on this in the past. He says, in Revelation 3, 8, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. There it is, even in the book of Revelation. Doors are about opportunities. Doors are about destiny. You and I will never fulfill our destiny if we're not willing to walk through the doors that God has opened for us. And you know, in our modern society, it's so funny, we have actually, like, you, you go to certain places, uh, and, and uh, you know, like, like Gallery Mall or whatever, and, and there's some, you walk up, and the door's just open, you don't even have to touch them. And, and, and it's like, if they don't open immediately, uh, you know, we get all like, what's wrong with this? You mean I gotta pull this door next to it instead? Instead of, and, and even those, those rotating doors uh, went through one of those recently at the airport. None of those doors help. You don't get access. You don't get inside unless you take a step forward. And so we can miss God's destiny and purpose if we cling to comfort more than have the courage to walk through the doors. And, and Jesus says, I've placed before you an open door. No one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet have kept my word and have not denied my name. He goes, and I'm giving you an opportunity. I've opened a door that no one can shut for this church that he was speaking to in Revelation 3.8. We get so comfortable and we want to hang on to what we can control, what, 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 what we can feel like, we can keep this under control. But God sets before us new doors and, and we need to quit being scared of doors of opportunity that God opens to us. Doors always take you somewhere. And a, a door is a point of entry. A door is a, is a passageway. So I just want to unpack this statement that Jesus makes. I am the door. And the, the following words that he speaks in John 10, 9 through 10. And, and just explain that once you enter into a relationship with Jesus, there's four things that happen when you walk through the door in a relationship with Jesus that he explains right here in this passage. The first thing is this, there's protection. When, when, when we walk through the door of Jesus, when we receive him as our savior, when we receive him as our Lord, when I, when I turn from my sins and receive his sacrifice for me, and you receive his sacrifice for you through his sinless life and his sacrificial death, his resurrection from the dead, 
when we access that and apply that to our lives, we receive protection. This is exactly what he said. I am the door. And then look at the next statement, John 10, 9. If anyone enters me, he'll be saved. He'll be saved. That, that, that word is a rescued. He'll be protected. He'll be saved. Not by our own good works. Not by anything that we've done. We simply receive everything he's done through his sinless life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection from the dead. He goes, I'm the only way that that happens. I'm the only way. You'll be saved. You'll be protected. That, that we no longer have to, when someone receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, walks through the door in a relationship with him, receives him and begins that relationship with him, placing your faith in his hands, your life in his hands, you'll be saved. You're forgiven. Our, our sins are no longer held against us by God. You know, I, I've heard it put this way before that, that you know, God didn't send his son to make uh, bad people good. God sent Jesus so that dead people could be alive. Our, our sin, we're dead in our sin, but we're saved, we're brought to life when we walk through the door that is Jesus and we're protected from our sin. This is why the Bible can say, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It doesn't mean, nowhere does it say weapons won't be formed against you. There are gonna be tactics. Just as, as Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his agenda for your life. There'll be weapons that are gonna be, there's gonna be plans, there's gonna be destruction planned for you, planned for me, but it's not gonna prosper. Why? Because we're kept safe. We're protected because we've walked through the door that is Jesus. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Second thing is this, we find provision. We find provision on the other side of the door. Not on this side, on the other side of the door. That is Jesus. This is what Jesus was talking about in John 10, 9, when he says, they'll find pasture. They'll find green pasture. That means provision for every need that we have. I didn't say every greed. Every need that we have. The Bible says, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Jesus is not only the door, but this is cool that, you know, how these are interconnected. He's also the bread, the bread of life, like Pastor Randy talked about last week. So, so not only do we find protection, but we find provision. And we, we feast on Jesus. Provision for everything that we need. He is what we need in the moment that we need it. And, and I thought it was just so powerful what, what, what Randy said last week. Never confuse the blessings of God with God the blesser. You know, are we, are we serving him for, for just what he can do for us? I hope not. I, I, I hope that's not the case for you. I, I don't want that to be the case for me. But for who he really is. Thank God that he provides for us. And he does so well. That's just kind of like the icing on the cake and so Jesus is the door that means protection that means provision that we can trust him in the journey that, that whenever God gives us a, a, a purpose wherever he guides he's also going to provide for you and for me 
Here's the third thing. It means that we have some privileges. I bet you didn't know that, that, that when you place your faith in Jesus, you live a privileged life for the rest of your life, and there's nothing anyone else can do about it. Privilege. That, that, that you're privileged, and, and you have privileges that someone who doesn't know Christ has never walked through the door will never experience those privileges. Jesus says there's privilege, that, that you're, you're privileged when you walk through the door. John chapter 10, verse 9, it says, and you will go in and out. What does that mean? I am the door, and you'll go in, but you'll also come out. That it's this in and out kind of rhythm of life that Jesus expects you and I to live. What does it mean to live in and out life that we'll have privilege, we'll have access to God, and yet we're not supposed to just stay there. We're supposed to go out as well. That means that we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. That, that we're supposed to be in the church, that's why we gather like this, but, but we're also supposed to be sent out to impact. So we go in and out through the door. You and I are called to share Jesus with those around us. And, and the church is always at its best when we remember it's not about us. I've heard it put this way before. The church is the only organization that exists on the planet for the benefit of its non-members. That we're here today for those that aren't here. We gather together, and that's why it's so important that we gather together to, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then we scatter to be light, just like Pastor Stephen was talking about, in our world around us, to be salt, to show the love of Jesus Christ to others. So we have this privilege of going in and out of the presence of God, in and out, and to live his kingdom out all around us. I think it's so important that we don't, we don't act like, we don't pretend like the world is saved, like the world knows Jesus. They don't. That's why you and I are here. That's why for such a time as this, at this moment, that's why you're on this planet. That's why I'm on this planet. To glorify God in everything I do and to bring many other people with me through the door. It's a privilege to know Jesus. It's a privilege. Nobody owes that. We're not owed that. It's a gift. We don't deserve Jesus. It's a privilege. We live a privileged life just because we know Jesus Christ. You know, someone may even ask you, you know, see you leaving Sunday morning, coming to one of our three in-person services and sit here with a mask on and social distance, no touch, you know, not, not, not a hugging or handshaking or, or anything like that because we want to create a safe environment. You know, maybe your neighbor says, what are you doing going to church in the middle of a pandemic? Well, it's because it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to gather together with the family of God. See, there are places in this world right now that's illegal, that privilege to gather with the family of God, the privilege to unite voices together and sing and worship a risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're not afraid of of soldiers knocking down the door and our lives hanging in the balance. That's the reality in some places in the world. 
It's a privilege to know Jesus Christ and to be able to gather and to worship him. And so, yeah, maybe it's awkward. I'm so thankful that we've created a safe environment here since July our church has been open. And we have not had one outbreak of uh, uh, COVID-19 in our church. I got it. My wife got it. But it wasn't here at church that we got it. We, we got it having dinner with some friends. That's how a lot of folks have gotten it in our nation. But it had nothing to do with church here. It's a privilege to know Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to gather so that then we can scatter into our community and to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 Jesus said, for the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, that's one of the titles he used for himself, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And when you and I seek and save the lost, when when we share our faith with others, we're doing the work of Jesus. That's the reason why he came. That's one of the primary purposes of a follower of Christ. It is to bring people, so we don't just go in and we shut the door behind us. But we bring his, we go in and we come back out. We f- experience his presence as we gather together. And then we go back out. And we carry the presence of Jesus into a dark world that doesn't know him. And we shine the light of Jesus. I, I love what Billy Graham said, the great evangelist uh, in, in the 20th century. He didn't, speaking of Jesus, he didn't come for the chosen few. He came for the rejected many. The, the privileged are the rejected many. The, the privileged are those that are rejected that receive Jesus Christ. That's what the privilege is. So Jesus said, it's gonna be privilege. You're gonna go in, you're gonna have access to the very presence of God, the throne room of God as a Christian. But don't stay there. That we gather so that then we can scatter. And here's the fourth thing that Jesus says about being the door. He says, you're gonna experience pleasure. Pleasure forevermore pleasure evermore on the other side of the door i'm a poet and i don't know it pleasure forevermore on the other side of the door john 10 10 here it is the thief comes just just reversing around on it you know cycling back through it the thief comes only to steal to kill and destroy i've come that they may have life and have it abundantly this word life is an interesting greek word it's the greek word zoe it means eternal life. It, it's, it's a God life. It's the perfect life. It doesn't mean life on earth is going to be perfect. We get a taste of it, though, here. But, but it's eternal life with Jesus Christ. And, and we experience the abundance. That's God's desire, that we would experience the abundance. Yep, even in 2020, God wanted you to experience abundance. He wanted me to experience abundance. Now, the enemy wanted to steal, kill, and destroy in your life last year and right now in 2021. Who, who are you allow, whose agenda and plan are you following in your life? Is it the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy? Or is it Jesus who died so that you would experience, no matter what calendar year or what current events, the fullness of life? Zoe eternal life see I think this is a message that is so brutally practical we need to hear it because so many of us are living so far below God's best we're living in fear 
We're living in anxiety. We're living in worry. And all we want to do is just play it safe. And Jesus said, there's more when you walk through the door. There's more when you walk through the door. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. This is why Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says that, that for every child of God that is available, peace that passes understanding. That's the abundant life. In 1 Peter 1, 8, it says that, that as a Christian, that God wants you and I to experience joy unspeakable. That's on the other side of the door. That's, that's when we're living the in Christ life. Isaiah 55, 7 says that he pardons our sins abundantly. That's the life that Jesus came to give you and to give me. It's not just a little bit of grace. In Psalm 23, verse 5, uh, in the 23rd Psalm, David says, my cup runneth over. Even in the presence of my enemy, my cup runneth over. How much is your cup running over right now? Or have you settled For the thief's lies, play it safe. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy the God life that Jesus came to give you and to give me the blessed life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, I love this in a message translation. It says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. I'm not talking about how big is your bank account, how big is your house, what kind of car you drive. I'm talking about the quality of your life. How's your peace right now? How's your joy right now? It's all waiting on the other side of the door. Jesus is the door. Pleasure forevermore. And, And not only is, and I think this is an important thing, Jesus is God's door that is open for now. There'll be a time when the door closes. Jesus made that real clear. And no one will enter after that. Every one of us, in fact, a few years ago, I actually, for Easter, the whole message for Easter was called the Easter door. There's another door. Death is a door. And and that's a door that you don't get back after that. One shot, no do-overs in this life. So what happens when someone has walked through the door of Jesus, received them as their Savior and Lord, and then walks through the door of death. Revelation chapter four, verse one, Jesus says, after these things I looked, I'm sorry, John wrote this, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. That's the door in that sense of that we all walk through when we go to heaven. There's a door that you and I walk through Heaven is God's open door policy, and it's open for now. (laughs) Jesus is the door. It's open for now, but it's not always going to be that way. That's why we need to have a sense of urgency, Not, not just about me and mine, but about those around me, to show the love of Jesus Christ and to share our faith with those around us.
you know, this would probably happen to, to you as well. You know, e- even in 2020, I, I, I know people that, that were my friends that weren't people in church. I have a lot of friends outside of this church, community of faith, that passed away in 2020 that I spent a lot of time with through the years. And I don't know. I, I don't know if, if they knew Jesus Christ. I do know they don't get a second chance. And, and, and Jesus says, I'm the door and reminds me, Greg, make sure you're going in and out. M- make sure you're using that privilege of coming into my presence and then going out and bringing other people with you into heaven. Because there's no reincarnation, there's no second chance. This life is all we've got. And, and, and I don't want another friend passing. We always think we got so much time and then you realize there's no time left. Maybe it's not for you, maybe it's for someone you know. And the door's shut. And that's all they got. It's sobering. It's serious. And we need to be reminded that Jesus is God's door that's open for now. But it's not always going to be that way. In fact, David got an idea about this. In Psalm 84, David wrote this, King David, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. That's what God wants you and I to be, doorkeepers. That we do what? That we open the door of Jesus for others. Let me ask you a question. Who are you holding the door open for? What, what friends or family members? Do, do maybe, maybe you have misunderstood and thought you had more time than you actually do. Jesus says, I'm the door that's open, but for now. Not always. That's why we exist as a church, is to be doorkeepers, to open the door so that others can walk through it. That's part of our responsibility. That's why we're on the planet, you and I. That's the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants you and I to be, could I put it this way, focused on. (laughs) Not our problems, not our fears, those things will take care of them. He'll take care of those. Give them to him, and let's be a doorkeeper. You know, we have, coming up even at Easter, just a few weeks away, we're gonna have five services, two on Saturday and three on Sunday morning. They're gonna be identical, five of them. Who are you gonna invite to join you in person for one of our five services? Sometimes people feel a little reluctant to share their faith. You know what, if you do and you feel like, oh man, I don't, I don't have much confidence about that, bring your friend on Easter. Bring your friend on Easter. And, and they'll hear, they will hear the gospel, the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ. As we look at the statement, Jesus may I am the resurrection. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. Be a doorkeeper this Easter. Right now, maybe, maybe you just need to write down a friend's name and begin to pray for him. And I'm going to invite that person to one of the five services that Valley has right here at our church in Hopewell, at our campus here. I want to be a doorkeeper. 
David said he'd rather be a doorkeeper. He'd rather just open doors to God for people in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. We've got to escort people to the door. We've got to be, you know, we've got to be ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Ritz-Carlton, you know, uh, that's their phrase, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. That's what we need to be as followers of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, opening doors, the door of Jesus so that others can come through. Psalm 16, verse 11 puts it this way. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is what heaven is. That's what's on the other side of the door. That's what's waiting for you and for me and anyone and everyone that would walk through the door of Jesus. Pleasure forevermore. You know, we just... uh, we just got back, Susie and I, from uh, just vacation of a lifetime in, in Hawaii. And uh, it literally was 30 years in the making. Uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It was our 30th anniversary trip that got canceled last year, and we had to reschedule it. And, um, and, and we, had to, we had to make some decisions in order to get to Hawaii, some big decisions, all kinds of stuff, information we had to upload, uh, you know, to the state of Hawaii in advance. We had to get a COVID test, it had to be negative in advance in order to go uh, and, and all this. And, and then they gave you this QR code if you properly submitted all the documents, made all the right decisions. And, and then you got to the airport and you had to show them the code. And then they did this crazy thing. I know this has never happened to anybody. They put a wristband on us, purple wristband. And after that, all you needed was that purple wristband. And, and when we got on the plane, they looked at the ticket, but they also looked if I had a purple wristband on. And if you didn't have a purple wristband on, you weren't getting on that plane. You weren't walking through that door to paradise unless you had a wristband on, unless you'd made the decisions. It's the same way that Jesus is talking about. We're not going to get to eternity with him unless we make the decision, Jesus I receive you as my Savior and Lord. And I'm going to follow you. I surrender my life to you. That's the only way that we experience presence, this fullness of joy. Your, your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's the door that Jesus is. Have you opened the door of your heart to Jesus? He talks about another door in another place. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. See, not only is Jesus a door, but the reality is every one of us has a door to our heart. We either keep it shut to God and to Jesus, or we open that door and we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord and the sacrifice that he made for you and for me. And Jesus says, I'm knocking. I'm not gonna push the door in. I'm not gonna open the door unless I'm invited. But he's knocking on the door of your heart. And he's saying, invite me in. 
receive me into your heart and I'll be with you. If you hear in my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. What's he talking about? He's talking about a relationship, a growing relationship with real, risen Savior, God himself, Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door and I'm knocking on the door of your heart if you'll only answer. I want a relationship with you. I want you to begin to experience here in this life on earth the abundant life that I came to give you. That's why I lived, that's why I died, and that's why I rose again. He is the door. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the simplicity and yet the incredible depth in these simple words that Jesus spoke, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find green pasture. Lord, thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves by sending Jesus that he would live sinlessly, that he'd lay his life down sacrificially and that he would rise from the dead supernaturally. God, help us to live with that awareness that Jesus is the door that's open for now. And Lord, may we be doorkeepers and open the door of Jesus and escort people into a relationship with your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never opened the door of your heart to Jesus before, if you've never prayed and received Him as your Savior, the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you open the door of your heart. And so right now, I just want to lead you in a prayer that it's not about the words, it's more about you opening your heart to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer you can repeat after me and just invite Jesus into your life. Surrender your life to him and begin to experience not only his forgiveness here and now, but the promise of eternal life with him when we step through that next door. Just repeat this prayer after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I open the door of my heart to you today. I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen.